Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily Digest. I'm Ben Olson, that's Nathan Fox. Together we're the founders of LSATdemon.com and our weekly podcast, Thinking LSAT. Here's what we talked about this week. We have an email here from V. Hello, LSAT Demon T! Exclamation point. The purpose of my email today is to ask about the next step in my study process. When I time myself for practice tests and time sections, I get a score ranging from 160 to 162. I always get zero to minus one for logic games, and I can do that within time, meaning I do not guess on any answers. I always run out of time on the last 10 questions for logical reasoning and reading comp and have to guess. Drilling and review is confirming that I can get the questions correct and know why they are the right answers. Under the timed assessment, however, the more difficult questions take me too long to do and I can't get to all the questions completed. Okay, I know this is part of the point with the LSAT and I should come as no surprise to you. I feel like I'm plateauing due to this problem. Out of curiosity, I time myself doing an untimed practice exam so the exam would not cancel me out. And I scored a 176, but each section took me an hour to complete. I am unsure how to get better at time. Most of the podcasts I've listened to really stress understanding, and I completely agree. Understanding the why behind the answer being correct is critical and important. Knowing how to identify what the question needs is equally important. Once you have that down, however, how do you advance with timing and figuring out what the question needs more quickly? Uh, it's like V drank the Kool-Aid, but then spit it out or something. Spit it back up partially. <laughs> yeah, sorry um, for the gross analogy, but it's like V, you you're you're getting it. You understand that you can understand yeah. if you take your time. You're not gonna understand if you try to go fast. You have to understand and then let the speed come. Mostly, you're gonna learn how to go fast on logical reasoning and reading comprehension because you will start expecting the answers to be wrong instead of hoping that they're right. It sounds like V did this in Law Hub. So I would encourage V to sign up for a daemon free account and do a practice test in the daemon and then immediately review it because you can get 100% on the games by testing each individual answer choice. That's not an effective way to do the games. And so maybe you're getting things right because you're just not approaching them correctly. Yeah, I don't hate it though. You know, like it, V has realized that without... LSAT knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. without theory and dogma, you can just take your time and you can sort it out and you can get them right. Mm -hmm. And that's great because there are many students who never get over that hump <laughs> of realizing that the test just makes perfect sense and they can make sense of it and that that's their job is to make sense of it. Um, so that's, that's excellent. But, uh, yeah, you, you need to start seeing some of the shortcuts, which, you know, like V doesn't doesn't seem like V has any problems with logic games. Mm -hmm. So you just need to start treating logical reasoning and reading comprehension more like logic games. Yeah. Right. 
Like V, the reason why you're good at games is because you're synthesizing. You're understanding the rules. You're connecting those rules together. You're making inferences. You're making realizations. You're learning things about that system. And then the questions are easy and you can do it in time. No problem. And you can do that in logical reasoning and in reading comp. You can do that in logical reasoning and reading comp. You just have to read it more carefully, understand the components individually, synthesize them, which to me in logical reasoning, it's just a delightful, fun game where I get to be a dick and just attack these arguments and tell them why they're wrong. Yeah. I get to pounce on bad logic and it's fun. But so that's that's because I'm treating it like a game. And then when I do that, then I've answered the question half the time before I even read the question. Yeah. Let alone the answer choices. But I I would oh, I would bet money that V is worried about time specifically on logical reasoning and reading comp. Reading too quickly because I got to hurry up and get to the answer choices. Mm-hmm. And then you're in there reading a going, well, maybe this will make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, you need to be reading a going, I know what I'm looking for. And this is not probably going to be it. Like 80% of the time, it's probably not a. So yeah. let me see what's wrong with this bullshit. And then sure enough, two words and it's out. You know, whereas V is like, oh, I don't know what I'm looking for. So maybe this is the answer. So let me read the entire answer choice and really get in there and really try to make it make sense but it's nonsense the wrong answers are nonsense they're wrong so to get fast you're gonna have to slow down and just i yeah i really think it's gonna be making better predictions well and the more you do this right like if if v continues to do questions and get them right these things will come together they will (laughs) you just need more time yeah understanding the why behind the answer being correct is critical knowing how to identify what the question needs is equally important i agree v but you should be like you shouldn't be letting the answer choice explain itself to you if you're ever going to go fast it's going to be it's going to come from knowing what the argument said knowing what the question is asking you having an idea what you're looking for. And then the one right answer is just the one that you can't dismiss. And like half the answers, you're just going to dismiss them easily because they're garbage. Yeah. And V, if you have a study buddy, you should start explaining or at least go get someone, you know, a friend who's studying for the LSAT as well and start explaining these questions to your friend. Love it. You, Why will you that will, help? You will real. So you understand these questions enough to get them right. But when you start explaining them, you're going to make additional realizations. In fact, I, I it's guaranteed. It's almost every question you will explain in the process of explaining it. Your understanding will expand more than just talking to yourself. We have an email here from Angela. Hey, Ben and Nate, I hope this email finds you well. I'm in need of your opinion and apologize if this is a long email. Don't apologize. Just remove that sentence and cut the email down and make it a little (laughs) shorter. (laughs) I have been studying for the LSAT since February of 2022, and I've been using the demon since mid-March. 
I have severe test anxiety and didn't realize how bad it was until this past week. My usual LSAT test score, whether a full test or combined timed sections, is a 153. I took a full timed section with time and a half this past week and increased by six points. I take medication and see professional help for my anxiety and plan on applying for accommodations. Okay, this is where I need your help. I was planning on taking either the August or September LSAT. No, you're both, (laughs) both. Talk to August with September as a backup, unless you're not ready for August. In that case, you're taking September and October. More, (laughs) more, not just one, more, (laughs) many, not one. Okay. my goal is to get into the 160s between 160 and 165, and I am unsure whether I will be able to reach such a goal come the August test. Well, we how are we supposed to know? My goal is to apply to a law school within the New York City slash New Jersey area. And based on the LSAT Demon Scholarship Estimator, I would be able to receive either full tuition or more than half of the tuition if I were to reach such a goal. That's great. You've used the the LSAT Demon Scholarship Estimator. That's at LSATDemon.com slash scholarships. And you're 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 figuring out what score you need to get to the school you want to go to at the price you want to pay. That's excellent. Whether you're going to get there by any particular exam, I have no idea. I I can't. I don't know. I'm currently working part time at the grace of my employment. However, they are beginning to get antsy on when I am taking the test. They want me to take the test sooner rather than later. Ooh. (laughs) Presumably so that they can get back to, you know, overworking poor Angela. They're, they're like, oh, yeah, you can work part time now, but you better hurry up and get done with the test so that we you, we can, you know, we need you back mm. so that we can underpay and overwork you. Yeah. Angela says, I know that I should not pay attention to their pressure since they will not be the ones who pay for my law school. However, I do rely on them for my income. There are other personal pressures as well, and I would be happy to discuss them if need be. Uh, regardless of the personal or professional pressures, I will be the one who will be paying for my law school. I'm glad you recognize that, Angela. It's a big, big investment, and you just should not let anybody put you on any kind of timeline here. Also, though, keep in mind that you don't need to work part-time to keep studying for the LSAT effectively. So if if this part-time gig is distracting you... <laughs> right. Maybe just give in and go full time, but then also, you know, give the LSAT your best hour every day. If that's before work or after work or whenever it is, just carve out that time for the LSAT and then let work do work. You don't need to apply this fall. You can apply the thing. next fall. Yeah. Angela says, my other concern is if I take the September LSAT, will that affect my chances of receiving a scholarship if I apply for fall of 2023? And it's like, well... I don't know, but why are you so married to the idea of starting in fall 2023 in the first place? I feel like, boy, of all the people who should not be on any type of a pre-ordained schedule, schedule, yeah, anxious people, the person who st- <laughs> who suffers from severe test anxiety should not be trying to force this. Yeah. 
you need to go for the long haul, slow, steady, calm, careful, accurate. And yeah, maybe go back to work full time and just chip away at this, like do one hour a day. I just taught a class called one hour LSAT mm-hmm. where it was, you know, oriented toward, hey, what are we going to do today for one productive hour? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you should be thinking about is just like, you know, really getting in there and really trying to figure out how to understand this test. You're I at 153, you're you're failing to understand many of the like middle difficulty questions. You know, you're you're getting hopefully you're getting most of the easiest ones right. But you're 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 dropping lots and lots of totally manageable questions at a 153. And this timing pressure and this trying to force yourself into the August or September LSAT and trying to force yourself to apply in in fall of 2023, that just all sounds like a recipe for disaster to me. Yeah. I want to talk about this sentence. I take medication and see professional help for my anxiety. Medication, professional help. I'm not an expert in anxiety. I can imagine that those things are helpful. But what I don't see here is you talking about meditation, exercise, eating well. I, I'm, I'm honestly kind of fed up with the, med- <laughs> the medical industry on some level. When I hear medication, I get super like skeptical. I'm like, okay, maybe that's necessary in some cases, but I feel like we live in a time where things are just medicated right away. And it's like, wait a sec, maybe you need that. But what about all these other things that have been shown to help people with all sorts of things, not just anxiety, meditation, exercise, pretty basic stuff, but things that we tend not to get enough of. I think those things are meant to be like supports for you so that you can then yeah, I get actually, enough stability to do more of the stuff on your own. Wait, what stuff is meant to be supports the medication and the professional? Yeah, hour? I mean, like, for example, an antidepressant, yeah. you know, it's like you you just might not even be capable of taking any steps in your favor. And if that's the case, you know, that antidepressant to get you like out of bed and moving but then it's like, well, OK, now what are you going to do with that? Because I agree, Ben, that just only relying on the pharmaceutical approach instead of doing, you know, some things that you can do uh, to help yourself. Well, I definitely do think there are cases where medication is absolutely necessary and maybe great. But I guess I'm just, and I have no idea what's good for you, Angela, but like. There are so many circumstances where it seems like medication just becomes an excuse to, you know, not do other things that are probably even more effective and don't have any side effects and whatnot. I, I really don't want to talk about medication necessarily. It's just I would add to this. Make sure you're doing meditation. Make sure you're exercising. Make sure you're eating well. Those things yeah. for anyone are super helpful. And get good, by the way. I mean, like at 153, 
it's just the truth is you're not good at the test. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be anxiety provoking because you're not good at it. You're not. I mean, like I'm not saying 153 is awful, but I am saying that 153 indicates like there are major holes in your game. And yeah, if boy, can you imagine, Ben, if you had to sit down, if you were a 153 student and you had to sit down and take a timed LSAT? That would suck. (laughs) That would be like, I don't know, that would be terrifying because there's so many questions that I'm not understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, Angela, you're you need to like you need to transform your actual understanding of this test. And that's only going to happen one question at a time. All this like thought of, well, I need a score between 160 and 165. Yeah, yeah. You need to understand the test better, Angela. Like (laughs) the questions that you're missing when you get a 153, there are many of them. And those questions have a lot to teach you and you need to learn what they have to teach you. You're always going to be anxious until you get good. Yeah. You know that phrase, if you build it, they will come right from that, that movie. Well, it's like, if you build your understanding, your score will come. Yeah. And you'll, you won't force it. It will come to anxious. you. Yeah. Um, people ask me why I'm so, I, I was, I did a presentation the other day and people are like, how, how did you become, how are you so confident? And it's like, well, I'm talking about the law school admission test. I'm like an expert in what I'm talking about. So, of course, I'm not nervous. I could talk to the fucking president of the like, put me in front of Congress or on TV or what. I'm like, I am not going to be nervous if I'm talking about this test. Yeah, because I know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, Xanax ain't going to substitute for, you know, for like real understanding. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and I don't know. I just worry that people stats so much as an excuse for not like really making progress. This should I take August or September? I don't know. Why are we talking about that? We should be talking about one LSAT question that you don't understand. Yep. And then when your practice tests indicate you're ready, then you're ready. But I mean, you have until June 30th to sign up for the August test. If you're 153 and you're trying to get into the 160s, then that sounds like a no to me. Yeah. So probably push till at least September. Plan on getting accommodations because anybody who's medicated is going to get accommodations almost automatically. Mm -hmm. But stop trying to force this in. I don't I don't know. Like if I had to guess or if I had to bet, I would just say, nah, applying this fall is a mistake. Well, the irony, too, is if you actually remove that goal, your chances of applying this fall are going to go up. Right. Stop forcing it and it might happen. Mm -hmm. Keep forcing it and you're yeah, you're probably preventing it from happen happening because you're making yourself so anxious that you're not learning anything. Yeah. Ray says, hello, I recently had the opportunity to tour a law school, parentheses, it was a school in the top 20. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, um, It's so funny how people just have these arbitrary, like, what is special about the top 20? 
I, you know, it's like now I have to look at their law school rankings and go, okay, so you were at USC? Because USC is currently ranked exactly 20th. I mean, I would almost guarantee that you were at USC, Vanderbilt, or UT Austin. Because those are the top, those are the last three that are in the top 20, you know. I guess you could have been at... Uh, like a 19 or an 18 or something. Like though, that. Well, that was 18, 19, oh, 20. Yeah, so you could have been okay, at BU, yeah. which is 17, or Wash U, which is 16. But, you know, if you were at UCLA, you probably would have said just outside the top 14 or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. We're goofing on Ray. Sorry, Ray. The tour included a Q&A session with two members of a program that was created to help admit more students of color. There was no mention of scholarships, just admissions. During the Q&A, someone asked if there was a place for them at the law school if they have a lower but not severely lower GPA than their average GPA at the school. Their response was a quick, there are other law schools out there. Okay. (laughs) that's a dumb answer on their part because half of the people at their school have a lower gpa than their average gpa i mean if we're reading this literally yeah they just told half of their actual students to (laughs) go there's another law school which makes no sense but anyway yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay i don't know who knows what's going on um my question is what are your opinions on law schools creating programs to admit more students of color while not giving students of color resources to help them succeed at their institution Hmm. oh hmm? was this referring to the fact that they have a lower gpa in school i have no i'm not understanding really this question sorry ray yeah ray says personally this feels like a way of law schools profiting off of students of color while also diversifying their law schools well that's i don't understand what (laughs) happening (laughs) Right. I mean, you're at an admissions Q&A. It sounds like they told these people to go away. (laughs) If they're telling them there are other law schools out there, then they're not going to take money off of them. They're going to send them to some other school, which sounds not like what they would do. Actually, sounds exactly the opposite of profiting off of students of color. Well, that particular interaction, yes. But um a program created to admit more students of color without any mention of scholarships is is concerning to me. It sounds like, oh, we're going to here, we're gonna admit you. We're gonna charge full price, or we're gonna give you a scammership. We're gonna give you a scholarship that feels good to you, but is really not because yeah. a va- the vast majority of the school is getting something way more. And um now what what what's happening? The, the students of color are funding the the rest of the class. It's it's not good. Yeah, I am very concerned about programs that are oriented toward, you know, they they it's always in the name of diversity and access and justice. These pipeline programs, but when it's a pipeline to hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. I I do feel like it's largely a scam. I mean, it's a fact, I guess, that uh, black and brown people pay more on average for law school. It's a real unfortunate byproduct of the way merit-based scholarships work in law school admissions. Black and brown students pay more and have worse outcomes from law school. (sighs) 
It's just not, it's not a good combination. No, it's not right. It's not yeah. fair. It's not justice. Like you're, yeah, you're giving people access to what access to getting ripped off. So, you know, that's why we preach so hard the don't pay for law school message. Like we we are all for access and diversity and justice and fairness and all of those things. But we just don't want you to trap yourself with a lifetime of of student loans um, and then, you know, fail the bar exam or, you know, fail to get a job that actually pays you anything or, you know, hate legal practice and wash out after a year or two. Um, <laughs> those are the things that we're really worried about. And if you go to law school on a scholarship, then you just protect yourself against uh boy, like literally full, lifetime of misery, possibly a full, yeah, scholarship. A full scholarship, not yeah. a uh, $5,000 a year, $10,000 a year uh, scammership. Like so yeah. many of these law schools want to offer you. Yeah. Make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Go to lsatdemon.com slash scholarships. Look at the ABA 509 reports for the schools that you're interested in applying to. Make sure you know what you're paying versus what other people at your school are paying. It's public information. And if you're one of the people who's paying tuition, you know, you just got to understand that the outcomes on average are not as good for you. You're you're probably not going to have the same opportunities that the high LSAT, high GPA kids are going to have at that school. And you're going to graduate from you're going to graduate with much more debt than they are because you're going to pay their tuition. Yeah. So you got to be real careful. Rosalie says, hi, gentlemen. Hi, gentleman. Hmm. That would be a gentleman with an E, Rosalie. Uh, I'm a rising senior at Temple University. I have decided that it may be easiest for me to try to enroll in law school consecutively to finishing undergrad since I will remain in, quote, school mode. I don't know. My gut reaction to that is law school and undergrad are two totally different things. Why do you want to remain in school mode? What if it's time for you to get out of school mode? and get a job and see the real world for a little while and then decide whether you actually want to do law school. Oh, that's my main concern. Your reason for immediately going into law school is just not that good of one, right? I'd be much more worried about whether or not you should go, not whether you should go now or in a year. Yeah. It's this like default assumption that I am going to definitely go to law school. So I might as well go right now. Mm -hmm. But Rosalie, we don't think people should do it. <laughs> I mean, we, we think if there's anything else you can do with your life, you should do something else. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's great that you have these aspirations. I, I just. I don't know. There's there's there are happier lives that don't involve law school, I think, frequently. I'm a first gen college student and will be the first in my extended family to attend any sort of graduate program. That's great. I'm sure they're super proud of you. I have plans currently to take the LSAT twice since I have a fee waiver for two, one in September and one in November. Would those dates give me an optimal timed application for admission fall of 2023? Not optimal. If you're taking it in November, you're going to be getting your score back in late November, early December. 
a lot of applications have already been submitted and scholarships have already been awarded. Yeah, optimal means the best. Optimal means ideal, the best way to do it. And that's not, in our book, the best way to do it. We want you applying in September or next September or the September after that. So I think you should definitely now be planning on a gap year if you want to apply optimally. You're asking us about applying optimally. So optimal for you would be wait. Don't take the LSAT in September and November just because you're trying to force in an application for fall of 2023. Instead, plan your LSATs, you know, when you're actually ready to take the LSATs and then apply in the fall of 2023 for admission in the fall of 2024. Yep. Rosalie continues, I've been listening to both of your podcasts while I work throughout the day. I work remote and spend eight hours a day looking at spreadsheets. And by doing so, that is listening to the podcasts, I've gone from scoring 143 on my first practice test to 152 this past weekend. I also spend about an hour each day in the evening working on questions slash argument mapping, whatever that means, slash LSAT demon. Uh, Rosalie, you didn't learn argument mapping from us, so probably not a thing that you need to do. Uh, Rosalie says, I have the basic plan, but I only have time for one full length exam a week. Is taking one a week not enough? No, it's too much. Go ahead. Why? <laughs> You're scoring in the low 150s. Right now, you meet, need to be doing drilling and time sections so that you can thoroughly review the questions you do. When you're doing a full test, uh, you're then needing to review that, but you're probably spreading that out over days after you take the test. And then you're not giving yourself time to even do drilling and immediate review. It's just, it's just not an effective way to study until you're scoring higher. Um, it's not that you shouldn't do tests. You could do one maybe once every two weeks or three weeks, but they're just not high on your priority list. What should be high in your priority list is drilling and time sections so that you can carefully review the ones you get wrong as soon as you're done. Yep. Rosalie continues. Also, I already have one letter of recommendation in the portal from my current boss, but I'm still waiting on a second from my previous professor. I asked her last semester as I had her twice in a row and we really connected. I also got high A's in both classes. So I asked and she said yes. So I completed the appropriate form on LSAC website, but I have yet to receive one. And now it's been two months. Should I reach back out to her or use the LSAC function to re-notify her? Uh, reach back out to her. It's not unreasonable. I mean, these professors tend to give themselves a lot of time to write these letters. But if you haven't talked to her for two months, that's on you. You should also have a timeline from her. When you reach back out, you should say, hey, I just wanted to see how that letter is going and see what she says and then... If she doesn't give you a timeline to say, thanks for your help, when do you think that you'll get to that? <laughs> so you can understand what the plan is. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you should worry about it too much because you're you're not going to apply. If you're following our advice, you're not going to apply until fall of 2023 anyway. But these letters are good. Once you get them in, you don't have to worry about updating them. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, tick off this box so that you don't have to think about it anymore. Um, follow up with this professor. You like her anyway, so why don't you check in? Yep. Um, get it done. I have a 4.0 and plan to keep it that way. Good. As well as multiple extracurriculars, 
a job throughout my entire education, a current internship, missing serial comma, and volunteer experience. I know LSAT is more important than the rest, but I was curious as to how much my other credentials may help me in the long run. Other than give you life experience, they're not going to help you with your application. Your LSAT score is what's really going to help you. And your GPA. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that you've somehow maintained a 4.0 with all this other stuff. I almost wonder how much of this other stuff is really happening. Like, it, it seems almost impossible. Multiple wow. extracurriculars, a job, like how long of a job, a current internship, and volunteer experience. Yeah. I, I would agree. Like, I mean, be careful how much of that you share on your personal, on your like applications, because when you have all of these things, a skeptical person, you know, naturally Ben is going to go, really? How it's not possible that you did all that. So I would emphasize the very best of those things and just ignore all the rest of it. And then. They're not helping your application. So unless you have some like labor of love for each of these things, drop the ones that you're not thoroughly enjoying. Yeah. Like, because give spend yourself more that time, time and energy. LSAT. Yeah. 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 The LSAT is just the thing. So none of this other shit matters compared to the LSAT. LSAT uh, and GPA. You've got the GPA dialed in. That's great. Get the yeah. LSAT where it needs to be, Rosalie. 152 yeah. ain't it. You've made good progress from 143 to 152, but you know, by the time you actually apply in fall of 2023, that could be a 172. We've seen people do that, Rosalie. 143 to 172, not unheard of these days. Yeah. And it will, you know, you've got the work ethic. Why are you wasting all of that work ethic on all this other nonsense? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be insulting. Like your your volunteer experience, your internship, these things could be great experiences for you to get. But if they're busy work, if you're doing them for a resume item, especially if you're doing them for credentials that might help you in law school applications, you are definitely wasting your time. You're focusing on the wrong shit. Yeah. This should be LSAT focused. Well, just dropping one of these things could <laughs> free up a lot of hours for Rosalie. So... Right. Yeah. Rosalie, man, I have high hopes for you. Yeah. Rosalie says, as any guidance is great, as you both have great pointers for students like myself who may be in a little over their heads. Thank you, Rosalie. Yeah. I mean, maybe unbury yourself a little bit from all of these obligations. Yeah. Take some steps back because these things don't matter compared to your LSAT. They only matter when all else is equal. And by all else, I mean LSAT. So like you with a 162 and all this shit compared to somebody else with a 172, you're not even in the conversation. They could have zero on their record and you're just not in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Need to reprioritize there and, and make the LSAT first. Grades first, but LSAT Next. after that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we have an email here from H it says, hello, Ben and Nathan, as a senior in college, I applied to PhD programs in Greek and Latin to start in 2021 at many of the schools I'd love to attend for law school. I was rejected by all of these programs, and I'm assuming that this happened partly due to COVID's impact on funding. Applicants with masters are cheaper because they require only four years of funding. 
and partly due to argumentative weaknesses in my writing sample. Interesting. Of course, I cannot know what prevented me from being admitted, but I am mostly concerned that my weak writing sample from my PhD applications will hurt my chances at Yale, Harvard, Chicago, etc. when I apply for admission to law school this fall. Do admissions officers consider previous applications to other degree programs? Thanks, H. I don't know, but I don't think so. I don't think they're digging for more information unless you're on the fence. And even then, would they know? I don't know. I just can't imagine that they do. They barely read the the personal statement you send them <laughs> that they ask for. Yeah, let alone like, oh, let me do some background research into this person's other applications to other programs. It's that would I would be shocked. I mean, you know, they might. I wonder if they ask on the application, like if the application at Yale is like, have you ever applied to any other graduate program at Yale? That could be and the if question. You then, have yeah. to say, yes, I have applied to your PhD program in Greek and Latin. I could see them reaching out to those folks and going, hey, why did you not admit this guy? Mm -hmm. Do you have a reason to not admit this guy? But if they then said, oh, I didn't like the writing sample or something. I don't know that they're going to just be like, oh, yeah, no, you wrote a bad writing sample for them. So you're out. They're going to look back at your personal statement and decide right. for themselves whether they think it's good or, ba good or bad for right. their school. Yeah. Right. Now, if you call if you call the the that office, you know, if they call that office and that office is like, oh, yeah, we didn't invite we didn't admit this guy because he came to a thing on campus and was a total creep. Yeah. <laughs> then it's like, well, goodbye. Oh, yeah, see you later. We got no, I'll take people. your word for yep. it. Like we don't need. Yeah. But if it was just some like, no, they they don't. I'm sure these programs are highly competitive and they can't admit everybody and whatever. They're they're making their decisions based mostly on, you know, your LSAT and your GPA. And sure, softs are going to matter, especially at schools like Yale, Harvard, Chicago. Um, so everything will matter. But I can't I don't think that's going to. I don't think they, they might matter. not even know. Right. So we'll see. They might not even ask. Yeah. If they don't ask, then I can't see how they would possibly know. Uh, maybe they have a database of all like people a coordinated who are system. Yeah, maybe. I doubt it, though. I think these operations are running on their own because they all have their own unique problems. Right. It just seems very unlikely that there's some grand clearinghouse, you know, <laughs> of. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I think you're worrying about the wrong stuff. H get the right LSAT, get the right GPA, have a killer personal statement. And uh, I don't think this previous application has anything to do with anything. Email daily at lsatdemon.com if you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, hey.